Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to our, really is a family gathering for us. So, though not one of the only places that we gather together as a church family, but this certainly is significant for us to gather together and uh, hear stories and hear from God's Word and worship together. I was realizing how um, extended our family actually is that, um, and the issues that we face as a family. Part of our family is a covenant place, and some of them are uh, joining us this morning uh, online. And uh, Blue Valley uh, community uh, down in South Johnson County. Uh, we've had uh, four funerals this week, actually, uh, in our church family. And one of them I just only heard about last night. Actually, when we were together at the Taste of the World event, I had a conversation to be able to talk to Drew Timberlake. And he and a number of others, some of you know Joe and Judy that are part of our congregation, and Dave Stetler and others that are part of our family. And, and here's what happened. Uh, about four years ago, uh, we heard as a church community about a group of refugees coming in from Nepal that were really Bhutanese. And uh, so many of you uh, engaged. We invested time, talent, and treasure uh, involved with trying to help these uh, refugees from Nepal be able to come. And you know, some of you were involved in teaching them to drive and tutoring them along the way. Well, about three, actually three years ago this past weekend, one of the elder people from that uh, community died. And it was a, a riveting moment uh, for uh, the Bhutanese community that just continues to grow as these refugees come from uh, just horrific circumstances in Nepal. And many nations around the world are trying to care for them. And many of them are right here in Kansas City. And uh, after that death, uh, a number of these uh, men and women decided that they wanted to become followers of Jesus. And this weekend, three years ago, there were many of them that said, I want, to baptize, I want to be baptized and I want to follow Jesus. And a church began. And Dave Stetler and others have been involved in that and just trying really hard to make sure that it's a church that's not just an American repetition, but is actually these people learning about Jesus and following God and worshiping, and not just becoming a replica of some Western congregation. And it's just been an amazing story in so many ways. And, uh, and uh, just at, at um, uh, 3 o'clock a.m. Friday, uh, a matriarch of that family died. And, and Momia is her name. Her son is Ram. And Ram has been actively involved in the leadership. It's just like God brought Ram to Jesus. Uh, he heard these stories of Jesus, and he fell in love with Jesus, and he has been a part of the leadership of that congregation. And it was his mom that died. Now, in, in their whole faith context and the culture, you can imagine what it must be like, this, this fear that's a part of it. Uh, for them, the idea that Jesus, that the reality of Jesus rising from the dead and going back to heaven to prepare a place for those he loves, uh, his power over death uh, once and for all is, is something they clearly understand in their head and they believe with their heart. But, but when somebody so precious to them is about to die. So Drew showed up at the house on um, a Thursday evening at about 9 o'clock thinking he would just check in with him. And there are dozens of people in this home that are just grieving, and the grief is just overwhelming. And, and the fear that's there, as much as you know in your head, you know, you get to the emotions with your heart. And the fear that's there. 
And Drew said, I walked in, and there was just this weeping and begging God to heal Momia. Just heal her, heal her. They were just begging, laying on her body. The room was just packed with people. And Drew said, you know, there are cockroaches all over the place. He says, they would just kind of fall on your neck, and just all over the place. And, 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 their, cult, and their, their religious beliefs are this, that those are souls. And, and, and so we, we are gentle with them. Uh, can you imagine what that does to a home, the disease and all that stuff, to, to actually have a faith that results in that? And uh, can you imagine a, a fear that we better keep her alive because if the resurrection is not true, her next life may be one of those no wonder no wonder someone wants so badly to stay alive and as soon as she would begin to pass out they would slap her face Momia, Momia, stay awake stay with us stay with us and at three o'clock in the morning this Friday morning Drew was there he he was there till seven in the morning with a bunch of others that were surrounding these precious precious people that have done just have a remarkable and growing faith Ram, in the middle of the room at 3 o'clock in the morning, prays out loud. And he says, Dear God, would you either heal my mom or take her home now? Amen. And Drew said, Mark, at Amen, Momia, was gone. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That God would do that. Allow them to go through this time. And wait until when Drew said, you know, it couldn't have been me. It couldn't have been Dave said, it couldn't have been George. It couldn't have been, it couldn't have been Bill Barlow. It had to be Ron. And Ron prays. And in an instant, Momia is with the resurrected Christ in heaven. And a group of people for whom faith in the gospel is still so fragile and new, they look at each other and realize it is real. And it is good. And it is beautiful. And I thought, to be that young man, Ram, and to be given the opportunity to pray a prayer that God was so ready to respond to, that when he said amen, God swept in and did his work. Wouldn't you like to live a life where you have the opportunity in a circumstance to pray a prayer as powerful as that? We serve the God of the universe who is absolutely present in our life and in our world 
all around us all the time who I am convinced has set up for you and me moments like that when we are given the invitation to ask him to act and he will and he wants to do it in your life yet in mine as well can you believe it I actually want to point it out to you in God's word this morning would you please would you please pray with me as we begin God we thank you for the privilege we've had as a church family to be part of something you are doing that has eternal uh, significance we thank you Lord that we've been given that opportunity and thank you Lord that you have more for us and so Lord oh God I pray that you would open our eyes to the reality of and the wonder of what you have for us because you love us and because you love all the peoples of the world in Jesus name we pray amen it's a story of Joseph and we're in Genesis 42. And uh, you may be familiar with this story. Pharaoh has two dreams, one right after the other. And then the next part of the story in 41, we discover that the cupbearer remembers uh, the one who can interpret dreams. You see, the cupbearer had been in prison with the, uh, with the baker. And uh, this was really a VIP prison. It doesn't mean it was easy there. It means that people who were VIP persons were there. It was adjacent to the palace area, easy for Joseph to come. And it was the place where people who got on the wrong side of the pharaoh ended up. So, cupbearer to the king, to the pharaoh, uh, the baker, uh, the, the, the servant to the chief of the palace guard. That's the kind of a prison it, it was it doesn't mean it was posh it means that was just the character of those people that were there Joseph then assures Pharaoh of God's intention attention he says it right there in verse 16 I cannot do it Joseph replied to Pharaoh but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires he tells Pharaoh that God is right here present and attentive he also explains God's intentions and we read those in verse 32 the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon Joseph says God is here and present and listening I mean just just stick that in your mouth and swirl it around a bit this is the guy who was forgotten for more than two years in prison this was the guy who was thrown in the pit by his brothers this was the guy who was consigned to Egypt as a slave. This is the guy who's been, who, 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 who thought he had a chance over two years ago. And he says of God, God's paying attention. God, God's right here, and, and he will do what's necessary. It's this Joseph who says this. Then Pharaoh elaborates on the evil and the dream, and really... You can go back and look at this later, but you can see there's actually a build in this. The narrative is helping us to build this story. First of all, it's, it's summarized. Uh, 
And then when we get to verses 19 and 20, we actually describe, see, describe even more detail that's added to this dream the second time around, which highlights it for us as readers. And we begin to see that there is, there is some uh, a grit to this story. In verse 19, it says, After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land. That This is new from the first time it's told. And the ugly, there's an evilness to it that we see in verse 20. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. And this is new, but it highlights it. There's a battle here going on between good and evil. And then God reveals the, the meaning of the dream. And then Joseph finds himself in the highest, most significant management position possible in all of the Middle East during that time. No kidding. There was no more significant management position in all of the Middle East. And Joseph, the guy who was in prison, forgotten, finds himself in management in the most significant position there is. This is a God who does it over and over again. Do you remember when Joseph ends up in, in the, uh, the, the prison guard, the guard's uh, home, Potiphar's home? God puts Joseph there. And, and this is what we read. The Lord blessed the house of the Egyptian. When God's people go to places, he, goes, he takes them to those places, not to bless them, but to bless the people they're around. <laughs> He's always doing that. He takes us places, and then he blesses the people around us because of it. And he's doing the same thing here. He's taking Joseph to this position of management in order not that he can bless Joseph, in order that he can impact the world. And so that's what we see happening here in this story. The Lord rescues this region of the globe from life-destroying famine through Joseph, through one who has the courage to follow. That's what this story has been all about. We've seen it. It's about God's sovereignty. And we'll see it again in this story today. It's about God's sovereignty, and it's about those who choose to live with courage in the midst of a God who is sovereign. Courage enough to surrender. Here I am. Do what you want to with my life. Courage enough to follow. Courage enough to take bold steps. And we see in this story, courage enough to listen. To take time to sit down to do nothing except to listen to the God who answers. This is what God wants to, for us, to invite you and me to listen, to stop and to listen to God who gives answers people desire. That's what he is. That's who he is. So let's look at it. I want to highlight three things. You know, I always kind of do it in threes, and we're doing it again this morning. So first is this. We want, I want you to notice a God who does new and big things. That's what he does. That's who he is, how he acts. He does new and big things. This story is about the survival of countless people. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people in the Middle East. That's what this story is about. For us, that's ancient history. I mean, it's some, you know, 3,000 plus years ago, right? Uh, and, and so it's just ancient history to us. You just kind of dust this story off and read it. But it wasn't for them. When this, when this was happening, this was like current events. This was like ISIS. This was like what's happening in Ukraine. This was like Ebola. These are the kinds of things that we read in the newspaper that we think about and we say, those things are too big to manage. What's going to happen? Overwhelming, relevant to life 
issues that face him as people. This isn't the kind of stuff you were reading in dusty old textbooks. This is a God in the midst of a cutting-edge crisis for them right here, right now. It is a new crisis, and in the midst of this new crisis, these people discover a God whose relevance to their life, whose faith, whose call to faith, is relevant to what happens in the story. God's fingerprints are all over the story. God is acting strategically. It's like he's moving chess pieces around with life-changing outcomes along the way. And here is the assertion that Joseph makes. God will absolutely bring certain events to pass. He will absolutely do it. And Joseph says, it were were the doubles. The The dream in two different iterations. And that is just his assertion. God will absolutely do it, and he will do it soon. And then we see that the narrator actually widens that truth of the doubles, of the repetition, for the whole story. There are, there's, the, the narrator reminds us, by the way, did you know how long Joseph was in prison? Two years. Did, did you know how many servants there were in the story in chapter 41? Two servants. I mean, it's like it's, the narrator's highlighting this for us so we actually not only hear Joseph's words as an assertion to Pharaoh, but God wants to say something to us. Twice is told the story of the gains and loss for the cupbearer and for the baker. Twice told story of twice given dreams. There are twos in this narrator, all in this narrative, all over this narrative. And the author is saying, see, did you see it? The handiwork of God. He is always present and he will always act. And there are seasons in time when the crisis is such that he will do it right now. And this is one of them. God will certainly accomplish his purposes for those he cares about. Don't you hope he cares about you? Don't you? Don't you hope he cares about those people in your life you care about? I'm not talking about history. I'm not talking about what happened to your grandma, your grandpa. I'm not talking about what happened to you 20 years ago. I'm talking about right now. Circumstance in your life, right now. Don't you hope God cares about that? This story is told so that we know we worship a God who is a God that is about new things and about big things as well. These new things we see here. They, they knew the old stories of Noah and Abraham and Jacob. But God never intended for his stories, for his reality, for his relevance to be relegated simply to history levers, lessons. It is new things. Over and over, God does new things. Jesus talks about don't put new wine in old wineskins. Why did he tell that story? Guess what? Because he was going to provide new wine. Not the old stuff. He was going to do the new things along the way. In Isaiah 43, we read these words in in verses 18 and and, and 19. It says this. It says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I mean, we know the past matters, but if it gets in the way, if you reduce God 
to a person who is a part of the history lessons of life. Forget those things. See, he says in verse 19, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's what he's about. He's about the new things. In Psalms, six times over, sing to the Lord a new song. Do you know what songs were like in that culture? They weren't just about, you know, the country western song where you lose your truck and your wife and your whatever it is. They were anthems centered around moments when God did something so dramatic those new songs would abide and we'd become history lessons for those who came after them. He wants for your life and mine a new song because it's an anthem of something that he wants to do right now. Ram has a new song to sing. An anthem that was birthed three o'clock Friday morning. And he, he wants that for you and for me. God wants, in fact, new things for you more than you want them for yourselves. It is what he does. He, he steps in and demonstrates over and over again that he is always relevant in life. Benedict, we will say today, may God be with you as he was with your mothers and your fathers. That's, that's scripture. New things. God, God is all over new things. And big things as well. The emphasis here, the reason why Joseph is, is so certain is because Pharaoh was concerned about this battle between good and evil. Between between things that change life for good or change life for evil. And the invitation here is to live a life engaged in things that matter. And if, and if that's what you want, Pharaoh, if, if you want to live a life engaged in things that matter, and if you have a concern for what seems to you to be good and evil, guess what? God's all over that, too. He's over big things like that. Things that will actually impact evil and bring good. Just like it did for our friends uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, just this weekend. This, I think, is such a challenge for our culture. Our culture, one of the goodnesses that God gave to our culture was a mentality of thinking through things and getting things accomplished. We think innovatively. We think strategically. We think, how can we manage this or manage that and create things? And, and God has done amazing things through Western culture. But you know what the downside of that is? If we can't figure out a way to manage it, then we just, we just, we just go on to the thing we can manage. You know, if we, if we can't figure it out, we just go on to the thing that we can. We, we fix things, but what we can't fix, we assume it just can't be fixed. Here, Pharaoh was given a dream that can't be interpreted. No one knew how. I mean, they had schools. They had, they had highbrow academic learning in regards to dreams in this part of the world. No kidding. It was a big deal. People that could interpret dreams, there were rules and there were, there were guidelines along the way. Guess what? As this one is described, scholars look at it and say, this one didn't fit the guidelines. 
This was when impossible. It's like if we can't interpret it, it can't be interpreted. Just like our culture, if we can't fix it, it can't be fixed. I wonder why God gave to Pharaoh something that no one could fix apart from divine intervention. And do you wonder in your life if God has something for you that you pressed aside because you can't fix it? And, and your conviction is, if it can't be fixed, I'm just not going to give it any attention to. And God actually wants you to give attention to it. I mean, think of it. Think of the things on your list of things that you can do because you're innovative, strategic, and you're really good at managing things. How long is that list? Pages and pages, right? What if you decided to formulate a list of a blank sheet of paper that had all the things on it that are impossible for you to do anything about? Big things. Things that, things that make a difference between good and evil being brought to bear in the lives of your kids or your neighbors or our culture or, or the world. And what if God actually was inviting us to be about new things and big things? In this history lesson, it is told to us in such a way that we will notice a God who wants to invite us to be involved in the relevant engagement with him on things that you and I can do nothing about apart from him. Big things and new things. How does that happen? Well, we get to the second piece of this. Not only is God about new and big things, but God will tell you what you need to know. He does. This is, Joseph was all over this. He said, God will give you the answer he desire. He is sure of this. He is sure of this. He knew enough about God. If a person wants clarity on a matter involving good against evil, God will provide everything necessary for that to happen. God, my prayers can be prayed with confidence. I say, God, I know this is an issue of good and evil. And I know it's beyond me. And I know it matters to you. And I know you will give me the answer I need to take the next step. And that's what Joseph says to Pharaoh. He'll do it. This is about exactly what he does. And Joseph knew it. If a person wants clarity on a matter involving good and evil, he will provide everything necessary for you to take the next step. How do we know this? Because God's a speaking God. He does. He speaks over and over. God speaks to those who want to know what he, what, 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 what he wants. We're going to talk in January, February, March about discernment and God's will in an upcoming series. And so I'd invite you to get prepared for that. You'll hear more about that in the future. But right now, I just want to hit this home. God will tell you what you need to know. It's what he does. He is a speaking God. And if you disagree with that, I would just invite you to, that's just kind of like someone picking up an iPad that's never seen one of these work before and, and saying, I just can't get it to turn on and throws it down and says, that's a worthless thing. It doesn't work. Say, no, 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 no. You, you, you need to understand. You need to understand how the thing operates. And we can so easily say it just doesn't work because we've never figured out how it operates. In, in Alpha, this past Monday night, actually, we're doing, we're doing uh, introductions to aspects of Christianity. And two, two Mondays ago, we talked about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a really good presentation. There were some people in our group that says, you know, I, I heard it, still believe it. 
Just, just, just not sure self questions. And then this past Monday night, we talked about the reality of a God who actually speaks, who actually answers prayer. And you know what? In our group, some of those very same people said, not sure what I think in regards to the resurrection, would point to a story where they knew precisely that God had listened to something that they had asked. I mean, down to names and places. Just one of the issue of oath of confidentiality there. So I'm not giving you names or anything, but I can tell you one of the stories about a husband and wife who prayed and God said, said, we've got some extra money here, Lord. How much and who? And they had this clear sense of who and a clear sense of how much. And they wired the money and they they got an email response almost immediately that says, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Down to the dollar of what we needed to continue to advance the goal we had in caring for people in another place in the world. God does it. He speaks. He speaks, you guys. I mean it. He does. Over and over again, we hear this happening. We see, we see David saying it. Verse six, Psalm 16, I praise the Lord who counsels me. Every night my heart instructs me. You make known to me the path of life. Psalm 13, he asks this question. Look on me and give me an answer. Why would David ask God for an answer if he didn't know God was a God who gives answers? Why would David keep praying these prayers if they were one-way cathartic exercises to make David feel good about himself? God speaks and he reveals to us what we need. Cathartic self-talk? No, 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 no. Much more than that. Why is it that we forget God wants to do a new thing to our life and because we just haven't figured out how or taken the time to listen to God, we're clueless in regards to the possibility that he actually might want to do a new and big thing through our lives today or into the future. And that really brings us to the third part of this too and it is this that God intends to involve you and me in stories like this it's why he speaks in this story God God planned an outcome for this God wanted to change the trajectory of lives in the Middle East that were going to starve to death stories of starvation he he wanted to change something like that and so guess what he did he spoke he spoke He dignifies us by inviting us to be a part of it. And God invited Pharaoh and Joseph, as we see in this story, to be a part of something significant that makes a difference. He intends also to provide the necessary preparation for those wanting this. Now, I want want you to note something, and we've got to draw this to a close and look at an application. The story of Joseph being able to interpret dreams is transcended by the story of Joseph having the capacity to manage all of what needed to happen for, that, for, for uh, people around the Middle East to survive. I mean, by the end of the story, it's not, boy, Joseph is really good at interpreting dreams. It's, whoa, look what he's able to do to manage an economy, a farm system, a nation, so that everything goes the way it ought to be. The big deal isn't the fact that he heard God speak, it's that he uses the capacities he has. 
where did he get those capacities? I mean, really. Think about it. This isn't just a two-dimensional flannel graph story. There's a guy in Egypt who managed, you know, I don't know how many tons and tons of grain in the distribution systems and the protection systems and all of that for years on end. Where did he get that ability? We can only guess, but I'll tell you this. He spent over two years in prison not sure whether he had been forgotten or not with a bunch of VIPs and you know what I wonder if Joseph got an MBA during those two years I don't know but I know this that in the midst of what everyone else might say was darkness and forgottenness Joseph knew it wasn't and he was still engaged in living a life because of what he said to Pharaoh. I know. I know a God who listens. Even when you don't think he is. And I trust it to be true. When no one's looking, when everyone writes off my life, when everyone else would be led to believe there is not one more new thing left for me in my life, I know a God who is about big and new things. And I know a God who will say what I need to hear when I need to hear it. And in the waiting, in the waiting, where I or anyone else might tempt me to believe my life is over, I will get ready. I will. Because God speaks. God is concerned about good and evil. And God is anxious to work with people courageous enough be ready to act and willing to listen. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this reality. And God, I just feel it in the room like I feel it in my heart. God, would you allow us to be involved in things like that? And would you give us the courage to sit and listen? In Jesus' name we pray.